people, there are areas of their lives that just don't look and feel the way they wish they did. The Next Generation Wellness Podcast is dedicated to unpacking the physical, mental, emotional, and social stress triggers that stack together and make that experience so. Years of piling these triggers together often leave us feeling overwhelmed, anxious, irritable, depleted, or unhappy, and operating from a place of self-doubt, comparison, procrastination, perfectionism, or busyness. We uncover the science, research, and stories of what it takes to live with whole life success, along with improved ways of thinking and the stackable skills and habits to make it stick. There's nothing more frustrating than when you set your mind to doing something and then you go about doing the complete opposite. In that very moment, we begin the slippery slope downward into self-criticism, self-doubt, and a very dangerous discipline of letting self down. In this episode, we take a deeper look at a very little but powerful something that sits beneath your goal and does a mighty fine job of driving you towards self-sabotage. I treat life itself almost as a business in terms of operating it and operationalizing it. Not to the point that it steals the fun and spontaneity, rather to this place of clarity around what's most important to me, realizing what's not important to me, so there's actually space for fun and spontaneity, and so that there's space also for my life's ambitions. So daily, weekly, monthly, quarterly, and yearly, I take stock of my life. I set new goals, I set new accountability processes, just like I would in a business. I make the time to step back and evaluate all life areas, to see what's working, to see what's not, to see any possible risks, anything that's festering beneath quietly that could perhaps grow teeth and nails, and also to celebrate any wins that have come during that period, which is something that I wasn't very good at at all. A little while back, during one of these scheduled life meetings with myself, I looked across all the important areas of life. And I set this goal to focus on improving the area of intimacy and connection. There was nothing really wrong with that area, but I could see the risks, the festering. I could see the resentment building due to competing priorities and responsibilities and big differences in our personalities and our emotional needs and ambitions. And as we'd stayed together longer, different things had been stacked upon us that were placing pressure on that relationship. So I could see that most of the emotional reactivity and the festering was actually playing out from my end. So I set this goal. The goal was to be a loving and kind wife. I defined how that would and would not look for me. So it did look like kind words. It looked like the appreciative type of words, you know, the thanks for emptying the dishwasher and leaving it at that, rather than the the demanding and critical thanks for emptying the dishwasher, but I've told you a thousand times to stack the plates, the big plates at the back. It looked like, for me, active and constructive responses, the work of Shelley Gable, which meant that I, when I was in a conversation, my responses needed to be active and constructive. My words and body were both engaged in the answer to the question I asked, which might look like eye contact and a smile. Versus what often happened where I would ask the question of how was your day? And when I perhaps got the answer saying, great, thanks. I signed 300 apartments today. 
I may have very quickly gone into finishing the email on my phone saying, oh, good on you. Can you get the kids through the shower? Not very engaged, not very active and not very constructive. The third thing, the third behavior, and we always stick to one to three rather than a hundred because a hundred never get done. But the third behavior that I was really intending to do was around appreciation of our differences in personality and the differences and respect for and generosity for the differences of things that were important to us. And this looked like letting go of my needing, for example, to go and have a coffee at a certain place on Saturday mornings because I knew the coffee was good there and I wanted to be certain it was good. And instead going somewhere different and spontaneous because he enjoyed and valued fun. So there were three things that we needed to do, that I needed to do. And that was kind words, active and constructive responses and appreciation of our differences in personality and things that were important to us. So I had my goal set to be a loving and kind wife. I knew what I had to do. I knew those, just those three things to focus on. And so then I knew I also had to set up some pattern interrupts, those prompts in certain times of the day that would stop me going to old patterns of habits to bring me back to my goals. So I put a post-it note in the car and I put a post-it note on my computer that just had a little, little LK on it. I didn't really want everyone to know what I was up to. And the LK, obviously to me, stood for loving and kind. So I was set to nail this thing, this loving and kind wife thing, but I didn't. I came home and I sat in that car and I intentionally thought, right, loving and kind, that's what I'm going to be. I knew what was required of me, those three behaviours. But the thing was I walked into the house and I'd see some glasses on the bench, I'd see some things scattered around the house, not in a life-threatening, dangerous, scattering way, just sitting there scattered through the house, and off I went. I'd give a bit of a mood, maybe a silent little huff or puff. I would go into an emotionally reactive rant, you know, something along the lines of, you know, how many times do I have to ask you to put those away? Which then, of course, is just a segue into ranting through all the other past stored resentments that I may have accumulated over the week. So the next week, I thought, right, this must be a pattern interrupt issue. Perhaps I just didn't have enough things in there to interrupt my autopilot responses. So I popped another one just inside the door because I thought if I walk in and I see that straight away, that'll do it. But it didn't. I still proceeded into the rant. On all things self-inquiry, obviously I'm a fairly resistant and slow learner. And so I sat again. I sat again at this time where I look at my weekly intentions and goals and I look at what's going on for me. And I sat again and thought, what is the missing link? What part am I playing here? What patterns am I repeating? And it hit me hard. My goal wasn't really my intention. And I'll say that again. My goal was not really my intention. My goal of being a loving and kind wife and all the behaviours to support it, were driven by that prefrontal cortex, that conscious part of the, the brain, the part that is human potentiality. We can change and, and set new goals towards things. That goal of loving and kind wife was set by that part of the brain. But my intention, the unconscious motivation behind my responses had a different idea. That intention, that unconscious motivation behind my action came from my limbic brain the survival part of the brain, the amygdala, the alarm center. And so when I stepped into that home space, consciously using that prefrontal cortex, trying to be a loving and kind wife, that alarm center 
was acting without my control. And it was saying to me, "Mm, this is not as you planned. Because somewhere, somewhere through that day or somewhere between getting out of the car and getting into that house, I had created a story, an expectation that I would walk into a home that looked a certain way. I hadn't voiced that or communicated that, but I had expected it. And the moment I walked through that door, that little control centre, that little alarm centre shouted very loudly at me. And it shouted, this is not what you expected. You have lost control. And to my unconscious brain, a loss of control is on a very quick pathway to failure. It's why I try and control the heck out of everything. And one of my greatest fears is failure. And so I would go straight into an automatic pattern of proving my rightness to bring back a sense of control and to put that fire of fear out. When I watched the moments where I did not show active and constructive communication at different times and I asked myself what part was I playing during those meetings with myself each week, I could look and see very clearly that I was controlling everything at home to a level that made me believe that I was in control, to protect myself, to protect myself from failing. That's my story, one of them at least. Yours will be different. But if you're doing all the right bits, like the four C's that we've spoken around in the first episodes, if you know what you're doing, it's well thought out, it fits you, you have pattern interrupts to stop autopilot and bring you back to that goal, and you step into the opposite action in those moments, what we call self-sabotage, then there is most likely a brain conflict, a conflict in the brain between what you consciously want, that prefrontal cortex goal, and what your beliefs and fears are unconsciously driving messaging around, your unconscious intention. This is self-sabotage. This is falling off the wagon, a hidden protective intention. And if you find it, you stay on the wagon longer and longer and longer until falling off is a rarity. I'm Erin Barnes, and I hope this brings a little more vibrancy, ambition, possibility, and wellness to your week. And if it does, I would be so very grateful if you could contribute your precious time to review the Next Generation Wellness Podcast. Oh, 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 oh,